Well, good morning to you. It's uh, an honor and a privilege to be speaking to you this morning. And I've heard many good things about CBC since we've been back in the area and about your leadership. And clearly, you're being a great blessing to Christchurch and to beyond. Well done. As I felt God wanted me to say that to you. Well done, good and faithful servants. And also, do, do not be discouraged by the setbacks you've experienced regarding your proposed building. Your dreams will be fulfilled. In its own way, the journey is as important as the destination. It's all about people, not projects. It's about building your own faith story so that you can look back on it in wonder at the miracles and the character building, the character shaping that God has been doing amongst you. And I think God wanted to underline the fact that you need your own story. Each church needs their own story. In Guinea-Bissau, there was a warehouse in the center of the city and the owner of that warehouse declared that he would never sell it, he would never part with it because it was to be his um, son's inheritance. The church prayed hard. The church were using it. They had use of it for a number of years, but they were trying to buy it. He said, you will never, ever have this building but they got it. Amen. And they have a story that God provided for them. Now, some years ago, I was part of a team who went out to Guinea-Bissau to erect the steel structure of a 600-seater church. In fact, we were only there for three weeks, and I would say about 80% of the building was done in three weeks. Absolutely amazing. Our first Sunday there, and they directed a temporary building, which was um, made out of uh, palm branches and some streaming through. It was a beautiful scene, beautiful, colorful scene. And it was a baby Thanksgiving service that first Sunday. And many elders stood at the front, um, a line of them, and mothers were carefully taking the babies off of their backs, their treasured cargoes, and passing them over to welcoming arms. But there was a problem. There were too many babies and not enough elders. And um, we were given the privilege, some of us, to take part in that. And I have this vivid memory of a guy called Richard who is a structural engineer with his own business in this country. And the lady went up and handed her baby over to him. And he was a complete stranger to her. But tears just welled up and flooded down his face. And I knew he'd never forget that moment. And I was thinking about that. God reminded me of that because I think it's a wonderful picture of the incarnation. The father entrusting his one and only son to flawed human beings. 
And that is the message of Christmas, isn't it? And I've been very naughty because I've changed my title. I was given a title and I've changed it. Anyway, I did work on it actually, but I just couldn't make it work for me. (laughs) And my own title for this morning is God for us, God with us. And particularly in that order, it is because God is for us that he is with us. He's chosen to be with us. He became a child, a baby. He came into this world to seek and save the lost. He came into this world to bring his love and his comfort. He's for us, that's why he came. And he's with us. One of my uh, favourite songs of the moment is a song called Behold Him. How many of you know that song? Is it? Yeah, a few of you know it. Um, It's got these words in it. He who heard humanity's cry left his throne to wake as a child. He became like the least of us. Behold him. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Consider him as a totally dependent and vulnerable baby entrusted by the father to Joseph and Mary so that he might become our representative, our champion, and our saviour. Paul wrote these words. God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God's glory radiating from the face of a newborn child. How staggeringly wonderful is that? It is likely that Jesus was two when he was taken to Egypt and three or four when he was brought back to Israel. In these critical years of his life, he could have fallen victim to the most terrible and traumatic events, which you can read about in in Matthew. Had Joseph not wholeheartedly followed the angel's counsel and the angel's instructions. Because Joseph was obedient, Jesus escaped all those things. Of course, the sovereignty of God was at work in that as well. The two things always come together in the scripture. Excuse me. Pages sticking together. Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. This is the New Living Translation. Let's just pray before we read that. Father, please speak to our hearts and please change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. This is how Jesus Christ was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to call him, you are to give him the name of Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So in this account that we have here in Matthew, the focus is more on Joseph than on Mary. It's more on Jesus as the saviour than Jesus as the king. And it's more about God being up close and personal than it is about him being transcendent and with authority over all things. It's interesting to note these things and just let God speak to us through them. The message of Christmas is one of steadfast and certain hope available to everyone. No one need live without hope. For the person who's received Jesus, who knows Jesus, hope is a great abiding reality. It's a living hope. It combines trust, expectation, and confidence. Now, when I was praying about what focus I should have today from this particular passage, I just felt these words, God's gifts. I want you to speak about God's gifts. Then, after I'd finished my preparation, I listened to Chris's excellent word from last Sunday. And he said, the one thing we should take away from this nine-week series that we're just finishing is our Father God is a God who loves to give good gifts to his children. I felt a real confirmation that God was speaking to me. So I'd like to look at this word gift and the word gifts relative to what we've just read. And first of all, Mary and Joseph were the father's gift to his son. I'm so pleased that Jesus was brought up by a wonderful mother and a compassionate father. He had many brothers and sisters. All were loved and treasured. And Jesus was taught the scriptures and a trade and enjoyed safety and security. For three years as an adult, he would be rejected, ridiculed, despised, judged, a blasphemer, violently abused, and finally executed as a criminal. But up to the age of 30, all the indications are that he was part of a loving and affirming family. And I'm so happy about that. So pleased that that was the case. So what do we learn about Joseph from, this, from the Bible and from this, this passage? Well, we learn that he was a righteous man. 
he observed the Jewish law. He was also merciful and kind. He had no desire whatsoever to treat Mary harshly. He wanted to extend grace to her, to protect her, and avoid open scandal for her sake. All this before the angel had explained anything to him. It's important to know that. He was a good man. And God chose him to be the father of Jesus. Naturally, he believed that she'd been unfaithful to him, but he treated her with respect and dignity because he wasn't judgmental or condemning. It was while he was considering divorcing her quietly that the angel spoke to him. And I believe that what he understood through the words that the angel said was the following. Do not shrink back from taking Mary as your wife. Be completely settled in your heart about this. Never let doubts arise during his upbringing that her child is indeed the Son of God. Be a great husband for her. Be a great dad for him. And as I've read through this and thought about it, that's my conclusion. He was a good father. And also, there's a distinction here between seeing an angel and having a vision of an angel in a dream. And it struck me that they're quite different. If you've had a dream, it may be a startling dream. But when you wake up the next day, you start wondering what you've dreamed. And I can, I can just imagine, I know it's me, because the sort of dreams I have, right, well, crazy dreams. But anyway, um, he could have woken up and dismissed it or questioned what he just dreamed. But he was totally clear on what, what had happened there. When he woke up, he knew precisely what had happened and he knew what he was going to do. He was a good husband to Mary. He believed in her. He was considerate, supportive, protected, and kind. He was all those things. You imagine how that was a boost to her faith because people were casting doubts on this, as you can imagine. And the angel told Joseph to name the child, which is another way of saying, you know, assume responsibility for your family. You're going to be head of this family. Adopt him. That was the sense behind these things. And Joseph was a good father. He had many children to bring up. The Bible tells us Jesus, there was Jesus, and he had brothers, Joseph, James, Simon, Judas, and at least three daughters. And he seems to have done an excellent job. Jesus' siblings didn't believe in him before the cross, considered him to be out of his mind, but it seems they all became Christians after the resurrection. Why? How do we know that? Because in Acts 1.14, in the upper room, they were all present. That's beautiful. Now, Jesus, obviously, is the centre of this passage. He's the centre of Christmas. He's the centre of everything. And he is the Father's gift to the whole world. 
He's the Father's gift to you this morning, whoever you are. Jesus is God's gift to you. The Bible describes this wonderful gift as unspeakable, indescribable, and inexpressible. The message has no language can praise it enough. And there are two names, two titles that we have in our passage that we read together. Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Bible says this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Just let that drop into your heart. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. When sin entered the world, God's shalom, God's peace, God's harmony, God's total well-being was shattered beyond human repair. Our relationship with God, with each other, and even within ourselves instantly became broken, antagonistic, and crippled by shame. Our joy, security, happiness, tranquility, and rest in every relationship disappeared at that point. Hostility took over. So if we're prompted to challenge us about our self-talk, how do we talk to ourselves? Is that full of hostility or is it full of acceptance and encouragement and, and love and kindness? Jesus came to save us from the consequences of sin and to reconcile us to our Creator. He came to restore shalom to all who put their trust in him and receive him into their hearts. And the second name, Emmanuel, which means God with us, is full of meaning and it's a very, um, it's an amazing thing that God has done. We read that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And God with us means that he is on our side. He is for us, not against us. He is one of us. He is not ashamed of us. He's not looking for faults. He's looking for faith. He stands with us and identifies with us. He is never closer to us than in our very worst moments. Now the devil would say otherwise, but God is with us and God is for us. Jesus was and always will be the friend of sinners. The Puritan pastor Thomas Goodwin, he wrote these words, if you are part of Christ's own body, your sin evokes the deepest compassion and pity in Jesus, never revulsion. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. 
Parents hate a terrible disease that afflicts their child. They hate the disease while loving the child. In fact, the very presence of the disease draws out of their hearts greater love for the child. Even our sinfulness, once recognized and hated by us, draws out God's heart towards us. One of our ladies that uh, God first was out walking, listening to the UK blessing on her phone, the words were bringing such joy to her heart that it showed on her face. She looked absolutely radiant. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favour be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in the coming and the going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. Now, I can't listen to that without weeping. Every time I put it on, I just... Anyway, a stranger said to her, what are you so happy about? So she played the song to this person. It touched this person so deeply that she was able to pray with her and lead her to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? There's an anointing on this song. And thirdly, you are the object of God's gift. You, personally, are the object of God's gift. You may not put a great value on your own life, but God thinks you're wonderful and wonderfully precious in his sight. And you are the object of his gift. He sent Jesus for you. Jesus invites us to come to him with these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke of friendship upon you and learn from me. Become my disciple. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am humble to the core. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light because it's full of grace and unconditional love, not legalism. I was once asked why I'd become a Christian. I don't know if you've ever been asked that. I I was used to the questions, when did you become a Christian and how did you become a Christian? But no one had ever asked me why. And when I thought about that, I had a deep gratitude in my heart, joy in my heart. As an elderly preacher described the death of Jesus on the cross, how he had suffered there for me, that I might be forgiven and know him, I felt a deep gratitude welling up inside of me. Now, at the time, I was a very sad, fearful, bewildered, insecure boy of eight. And yet God revealed that truth to me. 
I've got a very vivid picture of this guy preaching. He was probably about my age, actually, or maybe even older. And he preached his heart out, and when he got to the end, he was too exhausted to give an appeal. So he handed over to a younger guy who came up and took over. And it was the younger guy who gave the appeal. I became a follower of Jesus because my heart was touched by his unconditional love. That's why I became a Christian. I went to the front and gave my life to the one who loved me and gave himself for me and wanted to comfort me. And I needed to comfort him. If you've never done that yourself, the Holy Spirit would urge you today to put your trust in him and receive him as your Lord and Saviour. God is searching for you with a resolute intent to win your heart and to claim you for his own. You may feel lost, lonely, traumatised, trapped, far from God, guilty, weak in faith and afraid of rejection, but he is longing to bring you peace and joy, even today. Jesus is not pointing accusingly at you. His arms are wide open to embrace you. God wants you to know that Jesus identifies with you and he looks on you today and he loves you. Billy Graham used to say this, you may start out with just a little bit of faith. It may be a shaky, wobbly faith. But if it's in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to have faith strong enough to hold on to him. He will hold on to you. And if you want to become a genuine child of God today, I'd invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Pray it in your heart and God will answer it. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you and I entrust my life into your hands. I want to receive you into my heart today by a deliberate act of faith. Come in as my saviour that I may be forgiven. Come in as my friend that I may never be alone. Come in as my Lord and take control of my life. I need you and I know that you love me and that I can trust you. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer or if you did that many years ago, be assured that whenever you face a major difficulty, a major issue in your life, or even a major temptation. You never need lose hope or think you're on your own. Jesus is not standing off to one side. At a distance, he's not seeking to evaluate your performance. That's not what he's like. He's right alongside you, looking that difficulty right in the face. He's ready to help you. He is for you and he is with you. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Tony, thank you um, so much. There was so much in what Tony said to us this morning and I've scribbled a few things down and there are a few sentences which I just felt this morning, Tony, had so much weight um, that we need to hear this morning. 
God with us is a staggering statement. It is. Present with us. He's for us. God is not ashamed of us. God is not ashamed of us this morning. He's not looking for faults. He's looking for our faith. Just a little bit of faith is what he's searching for today. You can accept yourself today. There's no need for self-rejection. Some of us need to hear that this morning. You can accept yourself today. There's no need for rejection. Jesus is seeking after you. He was and always will be friends of sinners. He hates sin. But God's word to us this morning is he loves you. His heart is drawn to us. You may not put a great value on your own life, but God thinks that you're precious today. You need never lose hope because God is alongside you. God is for you. God today is with you. I just feel really stirred as well by the challenge, by the example of Joseph that we've seen in our scriptures today. And I sense this is a challenge for those of us who are parents, those of us who are partners, to trust in the strength that God gives to each one of us, that we could be good parents, that we can be good partners, that we can be even better parents, even better partners. And I just want to lead us just in a quick prayer just before we race into the rest of life that for those of us who are struggling and wrestling with being a partner, with being a parent, that God would give to us every good gift that we need for those relationships. You pray with me, Lord, we just this morning recognize our brokenness. We recognize this morning our faults and our failures. We recognize that too often the way we respond in these relationships is perhaps dishonoring to you. And Lord, I thank you for the example of Joseph. I thank you that before he'd even heard from the angel, he was seeking to do the thing that was honoring before you. Lord, I feel so challenged by that. Lord, thank you for his faith. Thank you for his foundations that enabled him to respond in that way. Lord, for those of us today struggling in relationships, Lord, build our faith. Thank you that you're not looking for faults, but you're looking for faith. Lord, build our faith. Lord, thank you so much as Tony's reminded us from your word this morning that the center of this story is Jesus. The one who came. The one who came to make a way for us to be in relationship with our heavenly father. What a savior. What a Lord. We worship you together in Jesus' name.